welcome to Streaming Into the Void, where we discuss all the streaming news for the week ending October 6th, 2023. This week, Hollywood is going to have a heck of a hangover after the strikes are over. I'm Kim Hollis, a.k.a. Ms. Pfizer. Wait, who are you dating? <laughs> with me are Tim Brighty, content creator and gamer, not a zombie and still without superpowers. I was promised one or the other 5G activation was supposed to happen with this emergency broadcast alert. <laughs> I guess you really can't believe everything you read on the Internet. <laughs> also, David Mumpower, author of Behind the Ride and streaming media analyst who will say what we're all thinking. Peter Gabriel is amazing. <laughs> that's not what david wrote that is definitely not, not what you're supposed I don't to care. say <laughs> i'm pretty sure the dialogue is peter gabriel is just okay and i know apparently seven songs of his second best lead singer of genesis so out of three Ooh. so you know he's not the worst <laughs> oh boy. Names and planning enemy I, I just i just made kim's list wow okay yes <sighs> And the podcast is produced and edited by Raul Burial, who's ready for some hockey. Push him through the boards. Break him. That's his fault if he's got his head down. <laughs> I think you're ready. Your Canadian comes out at the damn time. <laughs> <laughs> this week, as Hollywood begins to pull itself out of the strike-induced hibernation, it's clear that things will never be the same. As the studios and actors continue to talk, the future is starting to be planned. Fewer production deals for writers and higher streaming fees for consumers are coming. Bottom line, everyone gets screwed except for the studios. For them, things are going to remain status quo. We've talked about how the era of peak TV was spurred by the growth of streaming. The explosion of shows led to a lot of new content that fed the streamers and brought on new subscribers. But as subscriber growth has leveled off, the studios have begun to drastically cut back on new programming. It's not the new programming that's getting the eyeballs anyway. It's the reruns like Suits and NCIS. Hollywood just doesn't need so many writers. So while the WGA has gotten a good deal, for the writers who get to work, fewer writers are going to find jobs in the first place. So the cost of the studios from the deal with the WGA is going to be insignificant. Yeah, I just don't see it this way. And I think it's a short-sighted opinion. I know that this is what people are saying right now. But the problem is, how do you become a rerun? You have to get made in the first place. You cannot continually cycle through generations and generations of stuff. You want new programming. And so what's happening right now is just the people in charge of Hollywood continuing to show how little they understand their own business model. And there's going to be repercussions from it from all of this short-sighted decision-making. And so while at the moment they're saying, eh, we don't owe the writers anything and there's all kinds of pissy fallout from this, the reality is at some point in the future they're going to go, wait, we don't have enough new content and they're going to all kiss and make up because they need each other. I would like to give you a sneak preview that maybe one of the highlights of what's new in streaming this week was five seasons of a show that hasn't been on TV in nearly four decades. All right, I'll get you that one, but only because I'm a Moonlighting super fan. 
But even as the content creation is being cut back, and in many cases, original content is being removed, that's not stopping the studios from increasing the price for their streaming services. It was inevitable, of course, just like you could expect in the past that your cable bill would go up year over year. Your subscription to the streamers is going to get more and more expensive year over year. Get less, pay more. That's been the business model in Hollywood for ages now. And yes, they are trying to reinvent it for the new streaming era. Will it work this time? We're going to wait and see. And they're finding new ways to nickel and dime you. Amazon's adding ads to the current tier of Prime Video. And if you don't want those ads, you're actually going to have to pay more. And Max is adding a sports tier, but you'll have to pay for that as well. Seems inevitable that they'll soon start charging you more if you want to watch the new shows sooner. Oh, don't even joke about that. (laughs) I want a piece of that. You should actually go ahead and copyright that idea right now while you can. (laughs) I mean, I can sort of see what you're saying, Raul. Like, yeah, oh, you guys want more money to make content? Fine, we're just going to make less content. Ha ha, we fooled you. But I think that may be initially the case for the first little bit. And then they're they're just going to kind of like, oh, no, you know what? We, we actually need content. So, yeah, okay. So I, I have a feeling it may start out that way. But the, eventually we may be back to to there being just endless amounts of, of, of new content because they're, they're going to want new content to fill these streaming services. I'm not going to rule out that the Hollywood studios are being very nearsighted. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time. But the fact of the matter is that they are not extending the contracts to a lot of their middle tier writer producers. They seem to think that they're going to be able to do better by simply letting those contracts expire and renegotiate new contracts with those writers. Yeah. And the problem with that logic is, you know what happens when somebody enters free agency? A bidding war ensues. You're assuming the fact that you will get them cheaper down the line. In a lot of instances, one of them winds up costing more than all the savings you have for all of them because that one becomes the hot free agent. We actually just watched this in football with Jonathan Taylor, who the Indianapolis Colts treated like garbage, thinking, hey, we can do whatever we want. And then they wound up paying him more than the initial ask was. If they had just paid initially, they could have avoided all of it. These are mistakes. And what we're seeing right now is very much the same behavior that you witness when a couple breaks up and then they have to interact in social circumstances. It is awkward and they can't help but be petty. This nonsense needs to go away and it needs to go quickly because it's bad for business. Certainly wouldn't be the first time that the studios are making the wrong moves in hopes that they're going to be padding their bottom lines, at least in the short term, so that they look much more successful to their Wall Street investors. And in fact, the studios are moving rapidly to grab the money and cut out the middleman. Warner Bros. Discovery has been leading the charge as they launched CNN on Max last week and the Bleacher Report sports add-on on Max this week. But the MVPDs, those are cable and Satellite companies like Comcast, Charter, DirecTV, and others aren't taking this sitting down. Their pitch has always been live sports and live news. So far, the streamers have steered clear. For example, even though Disney has ESPN, the cable channel, and ESPN Plus, the streaming service, ESPN Plus does not show content from ESPN. If it did, you could rest assured that the cable companies would go ballistic. Why would anyone subscribe to our cable package if they could just subscribe to ESPN Plus and 
and get their content there. And Disney doesn't want to pick that fight because they know that ESPN still generates boatloads of revenue in terms of carriage fees from the cable companies. WBD has decided to go a different way, charging right into the fray. Their CNN Max offering isn't CNN live content 24-7, but it is a lot of their primetime shows that you can also watch on CNN. And their Bleacher Report package will be all the sports you can get on TNT, TBS, and True TV. DirecTV has already indicated they're not happy about the CNN deal, and you can rest assured the cable companies are going to want to get paid to not make a fuss about the sports deal. The thing about what they've done with CNN on Max is you have to get a little bit lucky, and lucky isn't necessarily the right word I'd use here, but you want breaking news, something that will immediately train consumers on the fact that they need this product. Because of a crisis in the Middle East, suddenly people were thinking to themselves, hey, we don't have CNN, we do have Max, and there's this shiny new button on Max. Let's go ahead and watch and see what's following. And so they've accidentally trained people this very week to go ahead and expect, hey, you can find something CNN-ish on Max. I mean, it is very similar to when Bernie Shaw was in Baghdad right around the time missiles started flying and found himself hiding under a table on live television reporting the whole thing. Sometimes moments like this, these signature moments on history when they get captured like this can lead to a service. We already had CNN Plus last year. It fell completely because they didn't want to cannibalize cable television by having live breaking news. With Max, they've taken an entirely different approach, and at least in the short term, fortune has favored them a little bit. I hate saying that about something that's such a global tragedy occurring, but in terms of getting eyeballs for Max, it works sadly well. Yeah, I thought, honestly, that the big fight between Warner Bros. Discovery and the cable providers was going to be over sports, and that still may materialize. But I don't know that the launch of the new CNN Max could have happened at a more opportune time for that streaming service. Here they are with a global crisis, and people now are going to flock to the streaming service to watch the content there rather than on their traditional avenues which is satellite and cable, DirecTV was right to be outraged that live news was going to go to streaming. They are paying carriage fees for that content. And essentially, Warner Brothers Discovery has just told them, yeah, but we don't really need your carriage fees. I don't know how sensible that is. We know Disney makes a lot of money off of their carriage fees for ESPN. For Warner Brothers Discovery to think that they can just do this without repercussions is very bold and probably, as we've been saying, very nearsighted. What we're talking about here is kind of an inflection point for streaming versus conventional linear networks. And we've been waiting for it a long time. Kim actually went through this with print versus digital news. And some of the people she worked with were very stubborn about the fact there would always be a place for print. And they kind of dug in their heels about it. And they refused to accept the fact that digital is just easier. We're at the same spot now where businesses like DirecTV have hung their entire model on this decaying business strategy. And they're resentful about the fact that now there's no pushing back on this. Now we're in this new era. And so what happens is I can pull up a streaming service and I can watch CNN live on the Max app. And that matters a great deal to me, but it matters more to people much younger than me who really haven't relied on this in the past because we're always talking about this second screen generation. And Raul, I know one of the points that you've been making for a while now is that we 
we have two very diverse groups and they don't intersect as much as people think. And that is the ones who are trained on cable television and linear networks expect to watch their news a certain way. They expect to watch their live sports a certain way. Whereas the digital generation does not have that training, which means when Max adds this, it's going to be new to some people. And that is kind of a bizarre way to look at this, but it's where we are, isn't it? It is. It's the move to putting live content on the internet because some people have never gotten into the routine of watching live content on cable and satellite. The people who did get into that routine, by and large, we call them cord cutters. They used to watch on cable and satellite and they have cut the cord and now they're looking for that content on streaming. They expect to find it somewhere on streaming and Warner Bros. Discovery has moved to accommodate them. No, the this demographic we're talking about now is called the cord nevers. They never subscribe to cable. They never subscribe to satellite. When they grew up in high school, they watched content on their phones and tablets. When they moved to college, they watched content on their phones and tablets. And now that they've moved into their own homes, they never got into the practice of subscribing to a cable or satellite service. And Warner Bros. Discovery feels that these are a very different demographic than the people who are still subscribed to cable and satellite. That is an older generation. They're probably never going to move to watching content on streaming. And so they feel that we, Warner Bros. Discovery, can provide news and sports live on streaming for this one cohort of people without necessarily cannibalizing the other cohort of people. That is going to be their pitch ultimately to the cable and satellite companies who get upset. They're going to say, no, no, we're not taking away any of your subscribers. We're going for another generation of subscribers. Whether that is a successful sell or not is another matter. But the fact of the matter is that if these people don't watch the content on streaming, they're not going to watch the content at all. And that then takes us into the conversation about sports. Because if you're not watching sports content on Online, then you're not watching sports content at all and you're not becoming fans of a team and those sports teams need you as fans. That's how they make their money so they, they can pay those big deals, those big contracts to their multi-million dollar athletes. It's why these athletes get paid so much more in North America than in other parts of the world. It's because they were getting these big deals on cable and now they're, they need to be getting these big deals from streaming services as well. And the other point we should probably make here is while companies like DirecTV and Charter Spectrum may not like it, what choice do they have? They have no negotiating leverage here whatsoever because they know they're in a dying business. So it's like beggars can't be choosers has never applied more than it does to people still carrying linear networks. And, you know, Raul, we were talking about this the other day. There are now Wall Street analysts saying that several of the less heralded linear channels are basically in danger of just completely going away. Uh, we saw that with Charter Spectrum in the Disney deal where they chose not to renew eight different Disney products. And now Disney is looking at the map and going, should we even be operating these channels anymore? Is the financial justification there? That's where we're at with a lot of this. And it is it is legitimately one of the most important moments in streaming history right now this second. Yeah, I just want to put a coda to this, and I know that it's like beating a dead horse, but Diamond Sports, which operates a number of these regional sports networks or RSNs across the country dedicated to individual sporting franchises in a number of different cities across the country, had a deadline of 
I think it was September 30th, to renegotiate deals with leagues like the NBA and the NHL in order to be able to continue to operate and carry some of these regional sporting teams on their cable channels. They wanted to be able to pay less money to the leagues in order to be able to carry that content. And this is where we're starting to see a collapse. The leagues need that money, again, in order to sustain these contracts with their athletes. And if they're not getting that money from Diamond Sports, they might not be finding that money elsewhere. Their recourse may be to launch their own streaming service or to go all in with a league-wide streaming service like the NFL has Sunday Ticket, where you can basically get all the NFL games regardless of where you are. But there's no guarantee that that's going to generate as much revenue as in the past when it was a land grab and all the cable channels were buying up sports rights for the Dodgers and the Phoenix Suns and what have you. It could be very well that this is just a tipping point and a flexion point for not only the cable companies, but for sports franchises moving forward as they can't generate as much revenue as they used to. In other news, this week was the coming out party for Zumo, the Charter and Comcast joint venture. <sighs> trying to say something nice about Zumo is like trying to be kind about TiVo. It's got so much potential, but they keep squandering it. Zumo is two things. It is a streaming service with fast channels, and it's a set-top TV platform like Roku. Zumo's got a huge potential installed base. Every Comcast TV subscriber has a set-top box called Flex. That will one day become a Zumo box. Charter's doing the same thing with their cable subscribers. That could be tens of millions of subscribers of the Zumo platform, but they're doing this transition so slowly that it's going to torpedo any chance that Zumo has to be a competitive player against the likes of Roku, Amazon's Fire TV, or Google TV. This would have been the way for traditional cable providers to get that older demographic to come over to the streaming world. They need those set-top boxes to watch cable. If those set-top boxes also do streaming, because they would have apps for Netflix and Peacock and Paramount Plus and so forth, that would over time convert them over to streaming subscribers, some of those streaming services of which are operated by companies like Comcast. But they're doing it so slowly, honestly, I just don't think it's ever really going to matter. All right. Tim, do you want to take us into a couple weeks of ratings? Okay, first we are looking at the Nielsen streaming ratings for Monday, August 28th to Sunday, September 3rd, 2023. And we have a new show at the top and it's kind of exciting because that's One Piece for eight episodes, 1.3 billion minutes. So, hey, good job, nerds. You did it. <laughs> that's why One Piece got renewed and Cowboy Bebop didn't. Yes, this <laughs> we did see Cowboy Bebop, but not nearly these these numbers. Uh, the eight episode season dropped on August thirty first. I definitely saw people talking about it and people saying they loved it, even if they weren't familiar with the with the anime. But yeah, that's uh, that's exciting to see. And yes, I was going to say this got renewed for season two already. Uh, and second, the show we saw on previous time we did the ratings that came sort of came out of nowhere. Who is Aaron Carter? Seven episodes, one billion minutes. The other thing I think is interesting that when you just look at the list this week, we don't see as many reality shows. Instead, this is actually a lot of actual content that services are having to pay to create. And I feel like in a couple of months, that's going to stop being the case as we finally run into the writer's strike delays. <laughs> 
Yes, speaking of reality shows, uh, something we saw last time we did this and jumping up to third is the ultimatum, marry or move on. Uh, move on! Yes, 558 million minutes, 20 total episodes. Uh, it was the second season of this. And for some reason with their reality dating type shows, they stagger the release. It's the finale of the season and then a reunion special, which I guess takes place sometime after the filming. But these two episodes arrived on August 30th. So thus the, the jump up to these numbers. Yeah, the schedule seems to be you air a few episodes you air the final episodes, you air the wrap-up episode, and then you get sued by everyone who participated on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Returning in fourth from Prime Video, Wheel of Time, 515 million minutes, 11 episodes. The first three episodes of the second season arrived on September 1st. And that is the other point here we we want to stress. This is not a full season dump. This is just three episodes. So Mm -hmm. that strikes me as a very strong performance for a show that we've discussed. Doesn't seem to have the hype it did long before it was filmed. So there is interest, obviously. Yeah, they actually did the same thing with the first season. It is weekly from here. Each season is eight episodes. The first three arrived at once, and then it's weekly until the finale, which actually just arrived this past week. We've talked about this a bunch. Amazon absolutely pot committed to this because it already got renewed for a third season a year ago. So they will make me making more. So they must be very happy with it or they just decided to just throw a bunch of money at, at this <laughs> yes. pop franchise. Those are several billion dollars well spent. Yes. <laughs> I've heard from fans of the books that they're much happier with season two. So I I actually think that maybe this just took some time to get going in the way that maybe fans of the series would have wanted it to. But it seems to have attracted them now. The other thing I'll add is it's kind of a product of an already lost era where Amazon with this and Lord of the Rings had spent however much money it costs to create these products. And they <laughs> don't do that anymore now, do they? Yes, way back in the days of 2021. When, yes, the the streaming services were just throwing giant piles of money at anything they could hope become a big breakout franchise. But we are long past that era now. Then the credit card bills do and everyone realized they were broke, even Amazon. (laughs) Uh, Disney's Ahsoka is at three episodes, 487 million minutes. So it dropped a little bit from the, the premiere, but that's, that's to be expected. I absolutely expect it to hang around this number, maybe you know start creeping up through its entire run and then get that bitch bump. But uh, I am hearing just wonderful things from people who are watching this. Only Murders in the Building adds another episode in six, 25 total episodes, 460 million minutes. Ragnarok has been hanging around for a few weeks now, and the, the lower tier of originals, 444 million minutes, 18 episodes. Lincoln Lawyer slides down the chart, uh, 402 million minutes, 20 episodes in eighth. Uh, new from Netflix, Live to 100, Secrets of the Blue Zones, 366 million minutes for the four-episode docuseries. Kim, you sort of called this one. You said you'd, you'd heard of uh, the guy behind this, and then that uh, oh, yeah. the idea of Blue Zones. So yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's a point for you that you, you said that this might get some interest. Yeah, it's an interesting book and concept. And I think it's actually really cool. It's an interesting way to visit different areas of the world. And the concept behind it is just that these are areas of the world where people live longer than other places. And I think that's something that's of interest to a lot of us. And new from Paramount Plus, Intense, Special Ops Linus, 363 million minutes for eight episodes. This was actually a weekly release. Paramount Plus premiered the first two episodes, July 23rd, was weekly from there. The finale arrived September 3rd, but uh, good to see. I guess, you know, Zoe Saldana has some popularity, and this definitely was seemed interesting when we talked about it on What's New. Some popularity. She starred in the biggest films of all time. 
looking at movies for this week, it's still led by You Are So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah, uh, 715 million minutes for the Sandler family comedy. When it says 715 million minutes, this is the Nilsson blind spot again. It is much more popular than this, but a lot of people are second screening, which means that it's not actually revealing the data the way that it should. And what this tells you is this was an extremely lucrative project for Netflix. Yes, it is aimed at younger audiences, teens mainly, because it's about a girl's bat mitzvah. Uh, so yeah, I, I do believe this is absolutely crushing it for Netflix, but most of that viewing is perhaps on yeah phones or tablets, and not that which is not, which are, again, not reflected in these Nielsen ratings. Remember when we all laughed at Adam Sandler for signing that Netflix deal? <laughs> Who's laughing now? All right. Quietly one of the best deals in Hollywood in the 21st century. No hyperbole. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, for everyone, for Netflix as well. I mean, Netflix and the Sandlers, it's multi-generational now. Remarkable. New in second is Big George Foreman, 416 million minutes for this movie. Not not about girls, but actually a biopic about George Foreman and his career. And that arrived on August 26th. Up to third from Max, The Flash, 360 million minutes. David Zaslaw was just popping champagne all over the place. <laughs> Exactly the kind of numbers you'd expect for the greatest comic book movie ever. <laughs> you just keep getting better and better over there. Uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie from Peacock, still here, 305 million minutes. Uh, new from Netflix, Love Again, 288 million minutes. This was a theatrical release from earlier in the year. I was going to say, oh, it, it stars the one woman married to a Jonas brother, but that actually describes more than one famous actress. Uh, this is the one with uh, Priyanka Chopra Jonas. Well, it used to describe more than one actress. Oh, right. That's right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, Despicable Me 2 from Netflix that, of course, that came back to Netflix recently is 6, 271 million minutes. Disney Plus's Moana, 259 million minutes. You know, you're slightly above its typical baseline. Uh, the Big Short from Netflix, 219 million minutes for some reason. Ninth is Arrival from Netflix and Paramount Plus. 218 million minutes for the 2016 movie that, of course, showed up on Netflix on September 1st. And movies wraps up with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 from Disney Plus. Seen that for a few weeks now, 211 million minutes. Acquired is 10 shows we have seen before, still led by Suits, not sliding down the chart, but its numbers are just still gradually declining as people just clearly finish their binge watch of it. 2.4 billion minutes this week for the most successful show of all time, apparently. I did see someone watching it on the plane when we were flying the other day. <laughs> Uh, Suits Mania, summer 2023. We'll look back fondly on these days. All right. right, Now we will look at the second week going from Monday, September 4th to Sunday, September 10th, 2023. And to the surprise of nobody, the top show for Netflix is The Return of Virgin River. 1.9 billion minutes or 52 episodes. This is just the quietest blockbuster of all time to me. Every time a new season of the show drops, it just pulls in massive numbers. And I couldn't tell you a soul who's watched it. For the record, I've watched some of Virgin River. So hi, you've met oh, me. Oh, okay. I, I have, yes. Okay. All right. Uh, One Piece drops the second, just under 1.4 billion minutes. So just very slightly above for the for the full week. But that's good to see again. Still still renewed for second season, and that's still a great number. I also uh, suspect it's what we were talking about a second ago with the Sandler Daughters. Mm-hmm. Second um, previewing. Yeah, I think yeah. we're missing a lot of this. Oh, yes. Yeah. One Piece is like, uh, along with like Cowboy Bebop, one of the most recognizable animes. Even if you don't know what it what it was, you've certainly heard of it. I certainly have. Uh, so yeah, I imagine a lot of uh, second screen viewing for this. Wheel of Time from Prime Video up to third, 515 million minutes, 12 episodes. So one, one a week now. 
So we should see that for the entirety of its run through the month. New and fourth uh, from Netflix is Dear Child, 504 million minutes for six episodes. Uh, we did not talk about this, likely because it is a German drama. It says it's about a woman who escapes captivity, leading to further questions about another disappearance 13 years prior. It arrived on September 7th. Okay, sure. I guess that's enough of a hook for people. We only talk about things on what's new if they you know, have a have a trailer or at least look interesting. And this we we missed this one. Doesn't happen often, but it's always good to see if uh, something's like, you know, show up on the on the list that we flew under our radar. Uh, Only Murders in the Building adds another episode, 26 total, 470 million minutes from fifth from Hulu. Who is Aaron Carter? Drops to six, 465 million minutes for seven episodes. Uh, Disney's Ahsoka, now four episodes, 459 million minutes. So actually down, but I'm I'm not concerned here. I think that's, I think that's fine. It'll again, once adds more content, it will increase and then you'll get people uh, finishing it once the whole season's out. Uh, Special Ops Linus does stick around for another week, 342 million minutes for eight episodes from Paramount Plus. So basically Meryl Streep isn't bumping only murders in the building and the number one actress in the world isn't bumping Special Ops Linus. So it's like movie stars just don't help television products. Is that what you're saying? Yes. It's up two spots on the list, but actually down in minutes. So for Special Ops. So yeah, pretty much. Yeah, screw all this. Tell me about Matt Groening. Oh, yes. We have a Matt Groening double feature in 9th and 10th because in 9th, we have Futurama returning, 142 episodes, 313 million minutes. And in 10th, I think we've seen this before, but Disenchantment. This is uh, his Netflix series, 50 episodes, 298 million minutes because the uh, fifth season arrived on September 1st. Yeah, we have seen it before, but this one's a big deal because these are the final episodes Mm -hmm. because now that they have Futurama back, they no longer need Disenchantment. That's pretty much what happened. (laughs) movies we have something exciting because we get the little mermaid from disney plus coming in with 1.3 billion minutes uh the little mermaid by the way arrived on disney plus on september 6th so most of the week but uh i'm sure we'll we'll see it with that impressive start i'm sure we'll see it hang on for the next few uh love again from netflix is up to second 336 million minutes New to the list, but not a new movie. In third, uh, Snitch, 329 million minutes, credited to Matt's Netflix and Prime Video. This is the 2013 movie starring The Rock that arrived on Netflix on September 1st. This was basically The Rock's attempt to do Taken. No joke. It did better than it had any right to considering the quality of the film, but it also was pretty much instantly forgotten. But we've talked about this in the past with Jason Statham. I do feel that there is an untapped potential with The Rock's catalog of films where Netflix should just grab as many as it can and just every few months release a couple like this because they will all do well. Right. What I'm hearing here is that having Snitch on Max and Prime Video didn't seem to move the needle. But then when it appeared on Netflix, it's suddenly number three on the movies charts. Hmm. I wonder if that will happen again. Um, Oh, let's look at number four. Um, Oh, it's something called Don't Worry Darling from Max and Netflix. Wow. That one sounds familiar. Yeah, 294 million minutes. This is the big theatrical release from last year, and it was bad, and it flopped at the box office. Yeah. We actually saw it last year when it showed up on Max, but guess what? As of September 1st, it's here on Netflix. So that's why it's back on the list a year later. You are so not invited to my bat mitzvah slides to fifth, 288 million minutes. Arrival, 263 million minutes in six. Saw that return last week. And then for some reason in seventh, Woody Woodpecker, 256 million minutes. This is actually a 2017 animated release that I forgot existed until like, I don't know, 15 minutes ago. Which is weirder, Snitch or Woody Woodpecker? Woody Woodpecker. At least Snitch has the rock. So that that's why it's there. 
fair point. Yeah, this was one of those weeks. Completely where, agreed. Completely agreed. I think Woody Woodpecker is super weird. This is one of those weeks where you just looked at the charts and said, I hate my job. Right, Tim? Yeah, pretty much. Because I'm like, well, like, how come it didn't list a date? Because I was like, oh, no, is there like some like 70s Woody Woodpecker movie that this Netflix put on and people watched it for some reason? But no, this was 2017. I, I don't remember remember it at all. But yeah, I was like, seriously, people like, come on, kids, do better. Uh, some stuff we've seen before wraps up movies. Eighth from Netflix, Despicable Me 2, 249 million minutes. Peacock's The Super Mario Brothers movie, 232 million minutes. And our Moana baseline is 10th this week, 212 million minutes. Acquired is still 10 shows we have seen before. Again, still led by Suits, 2.3 billion minutes, whatever. Uh, I will point out in ninth, we have a returning show we haven't seen in some time called The Midwife. 99 episodes, 517 million minutes. Uh, this is a BBC drama series that we have seen before. And then new episodes are are made they are in the uk and then they show up on netflix sometime later and boom here we go because the rest of the list is just when you look at these 10 shows you're like one of these things is not like the other and you're like what is call the midwife but yes this certainly has its niche audience and yeah that's all i have for the ratings this week and this week it's the return of our green lights and cancellations netflix i bet there's a whole (laughs) bunch of renewals with the writer strike over sure that's what you might think but (laughs) netflix is back to their old ways as they've canceled the Vikings spinoff vikings valhalla after three seasons oh this proves what i'm always saying leif erickson is no ragnar But in much better news, Hulu has renewed Only Murders in the Building for a fourth season. At what point? Get you out of that out building! Of, yeah. At what point do you just move out of the building? <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're going to see: is three seasons the right number for a quality show, or can we really drag it out four seasons? Because, of course, we know Ted Lasso ended after three seasons. Did they leave us wanting more? Is Only Murders in the Building going to do one season too many? I guess we're going to find out. I guess we'll find out. And finally, Paramount Plus is learning from the big boys, canceling the iCarly reboot after three seasons. In other news, the iCarly reboot got three seasons. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, Carly. As always, we close out the show with what's been keeping us busy over the last week. And as was alluded to earlier in the show, David and I went to Chicago. Yes, I was basically there to see my favorite singer, artist, Peter Gabriel. His show was incredible. It was basically him telling a story, which is the story he's telling via his new album, I.O., which is just about fully out. He's released it one song a month, each month. The visuals were just amazing. He's connected with a lot of visual artists to help tell his story, including Ai Weiwei, which is really cool. It was truly an experience. I'm so glad I did it. I know David was bored to death, and I'm sorry for that, but I'm glad he was with me to experience it with me and to experience Chicago with me, because I think we had a really good time in Chicago. I also went to the Field Museum with my sister and my niece, and we went to the top of the Willis Tower, formerly known as the Sears Tower, which is something I was too afraid to do when I was young. So a lot of really fun things that we did there. The other thing I'll add is uh, Sphere had just debuted a day or two before we were watching the Peter Gabriel concert, and it became readily apparent during the show what a natural transition it would be for an artist who already thinks 
so visually to perform at that particular stadium. And it was like, there were moments in the concert to be like, oh, and by the way, this is Ardman Animation who created this for me. And this is Ai Weiwei. And you're like, what, 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 what is happening? Because, you know, you think you're at a rock concert and all of these really recognizable animators, artists, illustrators are performing visual stories on screen. That part was pretty incredible. I only knew seven out of 33 songs. It's a running joke with Kim. I hit 210 for the night, and that's not even saying, you know, I like all seven songs, but it really was watching Nelson and Andy Williams' concert. She just had stars (laughs) in her eyes the whole time. And for that, I will always be grateful we had the experience. All right, Raul, how about you? So I wrapped up two streaming series this week, both of them top-notch. That was Ahsoka on Disney+. Plus. I really enjoyed it. Maybe my second most favorite Star Wars series on Disney Plus after Andor. But uh, I'm going to tell you instead about Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. I just finished up season three. This is the season that had Meryl Streep in it, not as a cameo, but as a full-fledged supporting character throughout the entire season. And oh my God, Meryl Streep is on a different level. She just elevated everyone she was on screen with. It was just amazing to see her opposite Martin Short. Suddenly, Martin Short was a fantastic dramatic actor. It's like, this is not something I expect from Martin Short, but there he is standing opposite Meryl Streep, and suddenly he's fantastic. The story, the murder, the mystery was as great and as entertaining as the last two seasons. This, I don't think this series is losing any momentum, and so I'm glad to hear it's been renewed for season four, and boy, am I glad to hear it was renewed for season four, considering, well, what happens at the end of season three. This remains one of the best shows on streaming. I totally recommend Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. If you haven't yet started watching it, what the hell are you waiting for? And for me, Steve Martin's performance of What If the Pickwick Triplets Did It, his patter song, that's the highlight of the entire series maybe for me. Tim, how about you? Oh, yeah, I can't wait to finish watching Only Murders in, in the Building. The, the first two just set me up and I need to find the time to watch the, watch the rest hopefully soon. Uh, what the hell else have I been doing besides work? I'm still putting a bunch of hours into uh, Against the Storm, the game I've talked about a couple times. And also, since it's been a little while since we've talked about wrestling, AEW should fire CM Punk more often because it just feels like ever since that happened, they've just been <laughs> absolutely on fire. They've just taken it to a higher level as everyone just seems a little more motivated. Coming off All In, All Out just kind of seemed like superfluous but it was incredible. I actually almost forgot about Wrestle Dream, which was this past weekend, and, and that had an absolutely amazing match between Zack Sabre Jr. and Brian Danielson, the, this, this absolute technical wrestling clinic. Even WWE's been decent lately. Uh, the NXT event last weekend, no, no Mercy, had the rematch of Ilya Dragunov and Carmel Hayes, and that match was just absolutely outstanding. So yeah, re- wrestling's still having a moment, even if like the ratings don't reflect that, but that's almost more a reflection of the death of linear television rather than anything else. And so yeah, just kind of a big uh, smorgasbord of, of things just to, to occupy my time over the last couple of weeks when I'm not working or recovering from working. I would agree that AEW is having a bit of a renaissance. It's It has been just a joy to watch over the last several weeks since they fired. Yeah, when you, when you get rid of someone who's kind of a problem backstage, you know, just, I know you guys like him, but gee, just improves the work environment. Hmm, go figure. Yeah, it sure has seemed to lighten a lot of <laughs> a lot of load for people. Maybe he's not a fit at AEW. Maybe he'll be a fit at WWE again. We'll see. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, David, how about you? Yeah, first of all, when it comes to wrestling ratings, the thing to keep in mind here is it's just competition. 
more than anything else. I mean, yes, it is a dying medium and we have to consider that, but we've also got baseball playoffs. We've got the start of the NHL season. And most importantly, we have college and especially NFL football. So ratings are going to go down because there's more options for people to watch. Live sports is everything in television now, which ties back to what Raul was saying earlier. With dying business models like DirecTV, like the linear cable channels and the cable systems, they've been in the only option for so long now. They're not anymore. And so we're starting to see that decline as people find newer, better options, ones that don't hold us back as viewers. So I don't worry about the ratings. I do think that even though I have always, and Tim knows this, I've always been squarely on the bandwagon that Christian is much better than Edge. It has been wholesome watching Adam Copeland's joy as it's like he has escaped from wrestling purgatory and can now live out the dream he has always wanted to be a truly independent wrestler for once in his life. And um, while I'm not the super fan of Adam Copeland that other people are, his wife, Beth Phoenix, is pretty much who I want to be when I grow up and watching them together. Just, you know, it elevates me. But what I really want to talk about, we also watched Only Murders in the Building. And uh, Kim and I, for, I guess, the second straight season, or maybe all three seasons, I can't remember at this point, we had guessed the killer. And I have to say that when you watch the season finale, knowing what you think has happened, it ties together so seamlessly, so organically. I'm kind of in awe of the murder mystery they told this season. And I just thought it was exceptional. There's a parallelism happening behind the scenes that is breathtaking. And then the other thing we watched, which I just want to highlight it, is Totally Killer, which is from the people who brought Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day 2, and Freaky, and anyone who knows us knows that we love those films, especially Happy Death Day. And this was totally in that spirit. It's not quite as good, but that's okay. It's not trying to be. This is just a my goodness, the 80s were insane. And if somebody who is a teenager today went back and experienced them, they would not believe it. And I thought that, Tim, you'll back me up here. They got pretty much every element of that right, didn't they? They did. Yeah. I laughed a lot as someone who grew up in the 80s. Yes, they hit all the notes. I thought it was just a good, fun, funny horror film. One where you really can just kind of check out, watch it, enjoy it. Great diversion. Yeah. And they did the other thing. I really like where they explain the plot by saying, hey, have you seen Back to the Future? Hey, have you seen, you know, Scream? Hey, have you seen these other things? Putting concepts in your head so that you'll understand what may or may not happen rather than having to go into a labored bunch of dialogue, because that's not really what this is. This is more of a slapstick thing. It is just meant for pure entertainment value, and this is probably going to be the best Halloween thing I watched this year. It's no, you know, werewolf by night or anything, but it is thoroughly entertaining and I have my fingers crossed it really might get us a happy death day three which is all I really want in life thank you for listening to streaming into the void please consider subscribing via apple podcasts google podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and we welcome your feedback remember that we're on social media at streaming void and online at streamingvoid.com. if you like what you're hearing please consider becoming a supporter on patreon at patreon.com streaming void be sure to watch for us again next week.